of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen, and Carrius included, what about the fella in the goal for Villarreal? Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool <laughs> fan can say. That's the harshest. Well, Carrius was hopeless, wasn't he? OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome along. US PGA starts tomorrow in the golfing world, second major of the year. We have Tiger, Rory and Spieth as the marquee group across Thursday and Friday. We will be over to Southern Hills this hour. Jeff Shackelford, uh, golfing journalist of Some Renown, is with us. He's been following Tiger, for instance, over the last couple of days. On Wednesday night, rugby, Fiona Hayes and Keen Tracy with us just after eight o'clock. Lots to discuss in the football show. Dan McDonald will be there. He's also here, Dan. I am here. Here for the night. Pleasure to be, Joe. You've had a busy day, as we'll come to in just a moment. Yeah. 53106, text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Carl Dennehy is in studio for the news round as well. Hey, Carl, how are you hey, doing? Joe. How's it going? Ah, uh, was on the show last night. Carl Mulaney is with us I'll this take evening. it as a compliment. I'm calling people the wrong name left, right and centre It happens, lately. Joe. I think that's just, as you know, people used to mock Jack Charlton and various people, but I mean, yeah, you look back in time and Jack Charlton was probably only 51 or 52 or something like but that. Call, like, our conception of time is that they were far older. So like, effectively, we're on the way there. I called uh, Mark Noble, Mark Nolan in the intro to Monday's show. I was listening to Call Denny last night with Johnny. There you go. And here we are with another call. How can I be expected to keep up with these things? Not My easy. apologies. Call Milani with us uh, here for the news round. I suppose we should start down with the big talking point, and I suspect, Carl, it's in your news round. So we might just skip ahead. You can bring us yep. the uh, very dramatic news surrounding the League of Ireland this afternoon. Yeah, so the FAI says it remains committed to a zero-tolerance policy on match-fixing. It comes after 10 men were arrested in connection with alleged match-fixing in the League of Ireland. The men who range in ages from their 20s to their 60s were detained this morning following raids in Dublin, Cork and Limerick. It was part of Operation Brookweed, a three-year investigation by the Anti-Bribery Corruption Unit and the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau. The FAI added it will be making no further comment as it's a legal matter. Dan, I suspect you've been working on this story all yeah, afternoon. Yeah, like, uh, you're, I mean, the you know, first thing, well, it was early this morning when this all started and of course, you know, you're in a million sort of <laughs> like WhatsApp groups or something where this is a, a source of discussion. Um, now, the thing is, like, it's, it's, you know, I've been writing about this today. Um, it's not like there's a sense of Unfortunately, it's not as if there's a massive sense of shock and surprise here. You know, this is, uh, as the FBI statement sort of mentions today, it's effectively, I mean, it's a continuation of a previous case and, and a probe that was, um, you know, which dates back to 2019. Um, and... Again, you have to be very careful with this because it's a, it's, it's, it's a legal case that is at the early stages we don't know where it will go um, all people involved are sort of uh, you know very much um, you know they'll be they'll be I guess fighting their own case and, and, and we're conscious of this but I mean from my understanding you're talking uh, talking about um, you know of the, of the sort of 10 arrested you're talking about 7 who would have played in the league um, now the majority of them are no longer active in the league but you know some of them are um, so that in itself is obviously a very you know it's a troubling story for people with a love of, for the game and, and involved in the game because we can talk about the detail 
and I can write about the detail and people in discussion, you know, people with an awareness who want to debate the topic can go into the detail. But as you know how these things work, a lot of people maybe first thing this morning will just hear the news headlines and hear match fixing League of Ireland and then that sort of stench and that stigma is sort of attached to it and that is why I mean, the FBI are on about a zero tolerance approach and that's all that's all they can apply if if if, if allegations are proven on this um, so I, it is one of those things that I, we've discussed this on the show before we, we've, we've, we've probably covered this area before because there were cases in the past involving various clubs um, you know some of which went the distance some of which didn't um, there is no doubt that um, and these are historic games that we were talking about however you can't be too sort of complacent about the present day either um, there is certainly um you know, when you have a league where people don't earn a huge amount of money, but it is possible to stake huge amounts of money and win huge amounts of money on games in that league, which is a problem that's felt by leagues all around the world. We've seen it in the lower leagues in England. We've seen it at all variety of levels. Then unfortunately, there's always a danger that you're open to, uh, to some degree of manipulation or for these things to happen. Um, that doesn't excuse it. That's not sort of a... Uh, for, you know, given some kind of free pass, it's like, well, you know, they're not paid that much, you know, and they're 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 not on big contracts, so you know, whatever. Like you're talking about the integrity of the game, and you're talking about um, from my general awareness and speaking very broadly of these stories as well. Um, you're not really talking about entire teams, you know, as though it's sort of a, some big collective effort where like every member and staff and everyone is on board with some kind of plot. It's 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 the it, it these allegations generally tend to center around smaller number of players operating within a group, which means that really they're not just um you're talking about uh, I suppose behaviour towards even your own teammates and, and your own club and employers at times you know so there's a lot to it but it's a, it's a worrying it's a worrying subject Well it sure is and when you say it's not so much the present day I mean when these allegations date back to 1819 matches that's very close to the I, I, I think day. yeah I think no, I it is, that as present it is. Day, no, really. I, I'm sorry I'm not even yeah I'm just saying that at the moment I think there's a danger that some people can, can find some solace in that but no. you can't be like you know 2018-19 yeah that's it's present just, day it's very present no, day it's not historic I do think it goes back a little bit further this one um, to games uh, in the years prior to that but, but certainly that's part of it yeah so 10 arrests and age range early 20s right through to 60s I was reading a number of residential properties searched in southern regions and Dublin regions as part of this and it was the FAI and UEFA who reported the alleged uh, match fixing and as you said the FAI released a short statement today uh, to note the latest developments in the Garda inquiry into alleged match fixing uh, do we know of the alleged uh, match fixing because match fixing is, a, is an umbrella term so are we talking about uh, results allegedly being manipulated or are we talking about things like who wins the first corner or who has the most throw-ins that kind of stuff yeah I I, I think again just to, to be careful about sort of the, the specific details of this case but from from my understanding certainly it's not about um, one market you know like the winning or the losing of a game you know you could you could be talking about um, 
you know, you, you could have situations where, say, both teams to score, for example, you know, which could be a situation where, whereby a team actually may win the game. You know, a, a team where individuals are being under scrutiny, they might actually have won a particular game, but they've conceded a goal in that game. Mm-hmm. And again, like speaking very generally, we've seen in in, in a number of sports in, in recent years where, you know, it, it, there was a, a scandal in cricket related to like no balls being thrown, you know, and, and, and various other... Um, you know, indiscretions. Like I, I've, I watched something recently um, on on sort of one of the streaming services about a college basketball thing in the nineteen nineties, which was all related to the handicap. You know, yeah. it was about winning a match, but only winning it by a certain amount. And it's it's these type of markets that are more so. Uh, I think they're more so under scrutiny in this in this case. I can't say one hundred percent for certain, but again, from my understanding of the knowledge of of people who have a sort of a certain awareness of what's happening here, that's coming under. And again, people wonder how this comes to light. Um, I mean, y- you would have a situation whereby. Um, you know, bookmakers would would have a normal expectation for what traffic would be on a market in a particular game, you know, like I mean, so you could have, say, you know, a Champions League final where due to the sheer volume of people watching it, you know, you'll probably have huge amounts being traded on that. But clearly when you have slightly lower profile games and then in specific markets that will be low traffic, there's suddenly a high volume of traffic. Well, that's all recorded, you know, and there's a generally it's this thing like it's a memorandum of understanding between bookmakers and say governing bodies that they have to you know, they have to report that if those irregularities. Now there have been cases in the past where there's stuff with the Asian markets as well and that's yeah. another sort of another area. Not in this instance I don't believe. And do we yeah. know where the bets were placed from? Um there has been some reporting today and it's not mine, but I, I actually saw this in an RTE report suggesting that um, there was a particular area of the country where there was a, okay. a, a high, high volume of bets. Uh, and again, I mean, there's always this element of, you know, what you can say versus, you know, what you know in the, in the, in the, in the sense that, and it has been reported today and I've written it as such, like it's, this does centre around the activity of one club. You okay. know, this is not the case whereby, for example, um, as far as I'm aware, like just two teams in a particular game, you know, when you're looking at people from both teams and stuff, I think this investigation and from the profile of the people that have, you know, that are that have been questioned, mm. um, it would again all people who would be linked with one club. And so do, do you have a sense of how many incidents we're talking about? This is the slightly grey area because there's different reports suggesting that it's relating to just matches from 2019, and again, you know, at various times. Around that time, there would have been, say, reportage around particular games. But certainly from what I gather anyway, um, and maybe this, the, the scope of this has broadened, that I think it does go back to games a couple of years previously, as opposed to just, say, um, a handful of games in, in, in 2019. Okay. Um, I think there might be more. Um, I mean, it does appear, again, that, you know, like phones and various things have been taken. So I, I don't know. You might start from somewhere... Um, and then it could lead you to a, yes. to a different place, you know. And then just one last point. So ten arrests today. There is anonymity. Yeah. Anonymity clearly. Um, when would that change? When there ch- when if if there were charges brought? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be. Th- th- I'm no expert on sort of the legal procedures, but I suppose you're looking at previous instances. Um, that would be the thing. And, and and obviously initially, you know, people are brought in for 24 hours of questioning, and then. Um, 
then I suppose everyone goes away and I don't know the, the, the consequences of those discussions probably lead to files being prepared or you know some kind of you know further action if any you know and it goes it goes from there so um I, I, you, can, you can never predict the course of events because you don't know. I would assume that the, the 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 quality of the information you have or don't have will naturally dictate your ability to to bring something to the table quicker. Um, but certainly, I would have in the in the foreseeable. Um, I can't imagine that people would be would be named. But again, I'm no expert in how this process plays itself out. Okay. Well, thanks for that update. We'll come back to it on the football show, I suspect. We should get into the news round proper then. It is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Cahill Milani, where do you want to start? Well, let's start uh, with today's boxing success for Irish boxers at the World Boxing Championships in Turkey. Amy Broadhurst and Lisa O'Rourke both through to finals at that event. Dundalk's Broadhurst won 4-1 on a split decision in her light welterweight semi-final against Parveen of India and Roscommon native O'Rourke was a unanimous winner against home favourite Sema Chalishkan in the last four of the light middleweight division. Broadhurst will fight Algeria's Iman Kalef in their final tomorrow evening while O'Rourke is set to go up against Alcinda Helena Panguan of Mozambique. They're following in the footsteps of Katie Taylor and Kelly Harrington in fighting in World Championship finals. Yeah, they sure are. I didn't see this fight. I was in transit at the time, but arriving into the office, everybody had been watching it and the performances of Amy Broadhurst and Lisa O'Rourke were reportedly awesome. So this... uh brilliant culture that we have is uh, quite, quite extraordinary isn't it yeah I always I, um, I think I saw Neil O'Reardon reference this as well a couple of us I think after Dundalk won the league I think it was 2018 and they had a league winning night and we were in the tunnel in Oriel Park speaking to Stephen Kenny and there was a there was a girl nearby who was sort of hovering around I think trying to get I'd obviously been instructed to wait around to sort of get his, his attention or there was you know someone was really urging him to have a discussion and I was there I think she came up and sort of half introduced herself it was Amy Broadhurst coming up to yeah. say you know and I think Kenny twigged who it was and gave her a pep talk for whatever her like whatever her next fight was at that stage and there's a photo that was posted today of the two of them together in the tunnel nice. so I always sort of uh, remember that but yeah I mean they are in the, in in the shadow of a lot that's what's going on and I'm not I'm, I don't think it's hard to get on top of some of the stuff that's going on with the, the boxing organisation in recent days Um Yes, like it just shows that like the athletes keep performing mm. and they obviously should be better served by the the country where they operate. The Stephen Kenny magic touch knows no bounds. <laughs> yeah, what else has he done, Dan? I, I'm not going to extend this to like, <laughs> well, it was clearly that discussion <laughs> that day that just Fork changed, in the road. That Fork in the road. changed her life. And now, Carl, uh, Dan is such nervous this evening, his beloved Rangers in action. Yeah, that's right. They're in uh, Europa League final action tonight. They bid for their second ever European trophy, the Scottish Premiership side take on Eintracht Frankfurt in that decider. Rangers' last European success was their triumph in the Cup Winners' Cup back in 1972. And their manager, Giovanni Van Pronkhorst, says the support from their fans so far in the tournament has been a big part of their success and he's expecting more of the same tonight in Seville. Our fans are, you know, are supporting us really, really well and uh, of course Ibrox is a huge factor and then in the ties we played this season in Europe we knew to, to get a good result away from home and take back to us to Ibrox 
that we are capable of uh, winning against any team. Uh, of course, the final is different because it's only one one game you play, not at Abrox, but in Seville. I think we, we will both uh, feel that. So, the, um, yeah, it's different, but, you know, still, I think there are, you will hear them a lot tomorrow, our fans, and uh, I think our performances can be can be good as well. So, um, I'm really... Um, uh, I think we we are ready, and uh, we will play the way we always uh, we always do, and make sure we give everything uh, we have to uh, to make sure we're going to win uh, this game. Yeah, kick off this evening eight o'clock. I got a withering look there from Dan McDonald after my very lame <laughs> gag. I felt it had been a heavy start to the news round. I just thought we needed something. It that's wasn't my best that's, effort. That's the kind of like high caliber banter that it wins was. you awards. Is it? it <laughs> Irish man couldn't possibly want Rangers to win. Yeah, let's let's go. Let's let's go to that old trope and see where it takes us. Ish. Were you a Celtic fan growing up? Not especially. No, like I I um I definitely probably went through that phase of. When, like, like when Celtic had that sort of run of misery, you know, I remember that time with Paul Paul Byrne from Dublin um, scored the equaliser for for Celtic in an, an old firm game at the time when like Celtic weren't winning anything at all really in the early nineties. I remember being like overjoyed by that and like supporting them at that stage, but. Nah, I'd be pretty indifferent to it now mm. um, in recent years. And I know there's a lot of Celtic fans out there who will be praying that Rangers uh, do not win this game. I mean, agnostic. I, I just, you know, no, nah, it just it doesn't. Uh, and I'm, I'm well aware of the, the the reasons why people would feel strongly about them. Um, it's just not something that necessarily particularly energizes me. I have to say, but I must say, the Europa League semi-final scenes mm. in both stadiums. Like, people can sort of denigrate the Europa League, and that's fine. But the sheer euphoria of the Eintracht Frankfurt fans and the Rangers fans, whatever you make of them, um, was incredible. Yeah. It was yeah. like this is why these secondary competitions. Um, this is actually these are the type of clubs that should contest these finals not Manchester United do you know what I mean I do. teams that are, are in afterthought territory and that's that why it's a it's highlight a, for them it's a good European final in that context it will be the worst gag I make at your expense between now and 10 o'clock I promise here's hoping John yeah. <laughs> that's not two hours two hours 40 <laughs> yeah. minutes yeah no guarantees Warm in here so well speaking of fans and uh, losing the run of themselves I think most have seen the footage by this stage on social media it was uh, reprehensible yeah, that's right. A man's been arrested on suspicion of assault after Sheffield United captain Billy Sharp was headbutted on the pitch at the city ground last night. It happened as Nottingham Forest fans spilled from the stands at the end of their championship playoff semi-final win over the Blades after a dramatic penalty shootout. Sharp wasn't even playing because of injury, but his manager has said he needed stitches after last night's incident in a social media post. Sharp described the fan that... Uh, dished out the headbutt as a mindless idiot and a scumbag and he went on to wish Nottingham Forest well in the playoff final against Huddersfield Town You were watching this game last night? I was, yeah I did flick over to it um, once, once Liverpool equalised I sort of felt they were just always going to win um, and I was more interested in the when I mean, John Egan was involved in the Sheffield United game and uh, Conor Harran come off the bench and stuff but just like the, the, the championship again the games mean so much you mm. know and um, How did the well, television well, cover this incident? Well I'll be honest I, I didn't catch this there was a big invasion yeah. at the time but I think it only come out sub- subsequently yeah, I think it was just press a, conference afterwards I saw a social media clip where it's just at the bottom of the picture where you can see the fan kind of yeah. running towards them on the sideline but I mean Sharp is just standing there taking in everything that's happening on the pitch yeah. I mean nothing provocative at all 
yeah. and this guy just basically runs through him. No, no, the, 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 totally blindsided. Yeah, if the pitch invasion was just presented initially as you know euphoria, euphoria. which it was, because I mean Forrest had completely frozen in the game. It was like their worst nightmare unfolding. You know, the whole stadium was on edge, mm. and then they somehow, I mean, they won the penalty shootout, and it was pandemonium, and like that club hasn't been in the Premier League. You know, this century, you mm. know, so there was this outpouring, but like a lot of these playoff games, like they have these big invasions at the end of it, and sometimes you're just going to have a tipping point incident that does lead to some kind of sanction. And we're seeing a lot of various anti social activity at games at various levels and codes in recent times, and it does come to the point where it's like, yeah, I mean, it is one idiot and it's really unfortunate, but do you have to do something yeah. that, that has implications, whether it be next season or yeah. something? Mm. Um, because you have to have some form of deterrent as well. Much you have as to no protect, some people. above all else, you have to protect the protagonists involved. And it's not about this incident. I stress that, I couldn't stress yeah. that more. But what popped into my head was we did a piece with. I think it was uh, Mick you'd remember outside it was about the drug use of fans and cocaine being found on trains going to matches right now and how it's on the up and this wasn't just anecdotal this journalist it was a great piece he had spent time with the UK police forces at various grounds around the country and they were all saying drug use is massively on the up we're seeing increased antisocial behaviour we're seeing trains trashed on a Saturday where Matt Slater, I think, says. Uh, I think Nick. that was my yeah. thought as well. Yeah, and we're seeing we're seeing uh, sniffer dogs waiting for uh, fans getting off trains. Increasingly, I stress, I stress, I stress, I stress. Uh, legally, very important to say. I don't think, or how could I possibly know if that has anything to do with last night's incidents? But it does feed into this overall sense of misbehaviour amongst fans in the UK on the up, and that was the the. Uh, sense of the police force as mm. well actually so I mean geez, it's not often you see a running headbutt is it in life no no and like right. I mean it, you know it is caught on camera it was always going to be yeah. caught on camera yeah. you know so it is sort of uh, mindless in that regard um, but no it is true like um, and, you, and you know again you don't want to be sort of too uh, what's the word like you don't want to be saying oh these pitch invasions are terrible in some respects they're great moments to mm. see it and like Absolutely, something natural yeah. about it that yeah. you don't want to take out of it <laughs> but if this if, if it if it spills over into this well then they're just going to be stopped well I suppose the difficult question if you're the football authorities how many moments like last night can you absorb and allow for to continue letting pitch invasions happen zero I would say one in a hundred I mean, it could be again. I'm not being this, but that could have been a serious episode. Yeah, what sure. if his injuries were more serious? Absolutely, yeah. it's a completely different discussion. Even one in a hundred seems like one too many. So yeah. I don't know. They're in a difficult position now. Um, yeah, we'll chat about that in the football show. Yeah. I mean, you also do see footage of the stewards. What can you do if everyone's taken off and running? If that's you know in the culture and people are leaving their seats and hopping. Yeah fence it's a uh, touch tricky mm. so uh, Southern Hills will be chatting to Jeff Shackleford half past seven Tiger Woods amongst those there yeah and he believes he can win this week's US PGA Championship the 15 time major winner plays for just the second time since sustaining serious leg injuries in a car accident last year he made his comeback of course at the Masters where he made the cut but faded after the first round Woods will tee off alongside Rory McIlroy and Grand Slam chasing Jordan Spieth in tomorrow's opening round and having won the PGA at the Tulsa venue in 2007 Woods says he's confident he can contend as he's getting physically stronger. I know how to play the golf course. If I can just putt well, um, you never know. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> Saturday, I think I had like 15 three putts. Um, but uh, it was one of those things that I, it, the, the thing that I was frustrated with is that it deteriorated as the week went on. I got more and more tired and more fatigued. 
I didn't have the endurance that I wanted. And now, I mean, I, I shouldn't expect it because I didn't earn it. I didn't go out there and I haven't done the work, but we're able to put in a little bit more work and it's only going to get better as time goes on. So uh, as the months pass and um, it's going to get better. Tiger. Yeah, I have to, you know, when I was watching the press conference for Augusta, some of the stuff around that, um, I, like someone eventually did ask it, it was like, you know, is this is this pain going to get any better? Because he was painting a sort of a grim picture of his mobility and it was the obvious question that was eventually asked, well, is this it? Yeah. Like, is this as far as he can go? And now you're starting to hear him say, yeah, I just said maybe I could be a little bit better and it just it just makes you think. It's, yeah. trying, it's trying to get very interested in St. Andrews. St. Andrews, you see, Saint Andrews. which is such a generous terrain, yeah. you know. Um, Distance isn't an issue. That's the one, is That is it? the one. Yeah. That is the one. Mm. Yeah. Two-time winner there. So we're going to talk to Jeff Shackleford, who's over at Southern Hills and has been following Woods, actually, for the last uh, couple of days as well. He's going to join us very soon. Matt Lawton, by the way, that piece, Matt Lawton. So if you Google Matt Lawton drugs fans then you'll find our piece with him and his piece as well online. It's really well worth a read and he was very good on the show as well. So you'll be able to watch that back if you're interested. Carl Milani, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Dan McDonald's staying with us for the evening. We're taking a short break.